From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for this week, with my friend and colleague, Jeffrey Roach. How are you today, sir? Hey, good afternoon. Here we are on East Coast afternoon, and uh, glad to be with you. It's been a few weeks. It feels like it's been a while, so glad to be back on. Good to have you back. Uh, you know, normally when uh, the weather turns, I'm jealous of you in uh, South Carolina, up and I'm up in Boston, and it's certainly typically warmer for you at this time of year, but uh, not so much today. So uh, less less jealousy certainly for me. Uh, so um, here's our agenda for today. You know, given we had the CPI report, Jeff, I'm glad you're you're here with me this week. Uh, so we're going to talk inflation, but first, as we always do, we're going to have a recap of the markets. Of course, everybody's watching the Middle East very, very closely. I think the message from the markets last week is that uh, the uh, the war is expected to be com- contained. Now, obviously, we don't know where it goes from here. Um, we're recording this on Monday, October sixteenth, twenty twenty three, but um, at least the markets voting. Uh, because you're seeing oil cooperate, you saw rates come down a little bit, not not dramatically, but you've seen rates come down, uh, and um, you know generally you've seen the stock market go up. So um, that's that. Uh, we'll also preview earnings because uh, earnings season started late last week, essentially, with the big banks. Um, so we'll give you our thoughts there um, and and discuss what to watch, and then uh, finally preview the week ahead, retail sales, Fed speak, and earnings. More earnings. So um, let's get into the market recap first, Jeff. Um, so S and P, you know, not a not a huge gain, but um, a gain nonetheless, up about a half a percent. Uh, the major averages last week were mixed, so you had some weakness in small caps. So a little bit of risk aversion may be showing up there, but not in the large cap space. Um, and then you had uh, you know the Nasdaq do a little bit worse as well uh, down 0.2%. Uh, in terms of regions, we you know generally pretty good returns uh globally. The um in the German market has kind of hung in there I guess recently despite generally you know markets believe Germany is in recession or if they're not in one right this minute they'll be in one uh, quite soon. So it's some pretty good returns across the board generally in Europe. Uh, Asia Pacific, you know, Japan stands out. That's a market we continue to like. Uh, so good to see that. They gave back a little bit of those gains over the weekend, but uh, like that performance out of Japan where, um, you know, companies are really focused more on shareholder value. Uh, in terms of sectors, you know, we had the de- some of the defensives react to the drop in rates. You'll see that on the next slide when we look at the bond returns. Uh, so you see solid gains in utilities, but energy was the biggest gainer for the week as oil prices rose on the uh, Middle East conflict, but oil had come way down. So, um, you know, it's still in the in the high 80s, uh, nothing that's particularly uh, nerve wracking given we were in the 90s uh, not long ago. Uh, I'll also mention consumer discretionary uh, as an underperformer last week. Now, part of that is rising oil prices, uh, but uh, a pretty big chunk of it was travel and leisure, which makes sense given uh, the turmoil in the Middle East, and the shares of Tesla, right? Such a big weight in consumer discretionary, it can move the sector by itself. 
So that's why you saw some underperformance uh, there. Uh, we continued in LPL research to recommend industrials and energy as our uh, favorite sectors. Turning to the bond market, we had gains across the board in bonds uh, as rates came down. Now, um, part of that was likely a safe haven rally in treasuries as the Middle East uh, conflict unfolded, but um, uh, you know, might have been a reaction to the inflation situation as well to some extent. Jeff, you can weigh in on that. Uh, and then, you know, I mentioned energy was a big winner last week. This is energy prices in the commodity index up five percent for the week. Uh, and then look at precious metals up five. We actually put a chart of gold in this week. Um, gold was breaking down technically two weeks ago and then just made a sharp U-turn and is, um, is is spiking higher. And, um, you know, essentially it's gone from oversold to overbought in, in a week, which is, which is pretty rare. Uh, so, um, Jeff, what do you think about the move in bond yields and how the market reacted to, uh, recent, uh, inflation data? Well, I think it was really interesting thinking about how last week's performance was when you drill into really the first half and the second half of the week. You know, after the Thursday morning inflation print, see, things seemed to turn a little bit in terms of rates and performance. Just wanted to highlight one thing too. We showed on the previous slide about international markets, and uh, you're exactly right, Jeff. When you think about uh, the overall activity in the economy, uh, you know, the the German economy certainly has been uh what is some people have said the, the sick man of europe you know we've used that phrase in fact uh we used that phrase you know back you know over 10 years ago when we were uh working through the great financial crisis same same uh idea here as you saw some pressures in germany really building over the last several months uh so it's uh yeah i think it's it's Unfortunately, you know, kind of a, a follow on to your discussion, Jeff, about the Middle East challenges. Uh, it's as if the market still seems to be mostly concerned and preoccupied with uh, Fed policy and interest rate trajectory. I think that's where, you know, you kind of say, okay, that would explain why some of the reasons why the market seems to have been um, focusing and, and uh, at least its belief that the skirmish, the war, the atrocities are uh, self-contained. Yeah, good good point. So uh, the market should price out rate hikes after the, the Middle East um, uh, situation. And certainly you've seen a little bit of that. Um, so sure, a number of factors that probably contributed to rates uh, coming down. By the way, rates were also overbought. I'll show you a chart of this um, here in a minute. Um, but first, let's go to the S&P 500. So good news that the index held 4,200. Um, that is, well, that that was right around the 200-day moving average. Of course, the 200-day moving average is rising. Uh, so um, it looks like now it held 4,224, which it also did. So uh, now we're into the Q4 seasonal period, which is very, very strong for stocks. We're into earnings season which hopefully could cause markets to maybe look past uh, what's going on in the Middle East as long as it remains contained. And, um, you know, if rates come down, good chance we get that that year-end rally, which on average is, is 4% in, um, in Q4. So this is a very encouraging chart. We'll see what happens at, at 4,400, which is 
uh, right around the 50-day moving average and is certainly acting as resistance right now. Uh, but good to see uh, the markets um, up nicely on Monday. When as you think too, it's interesting, you know, people talk about Q4 seasonality, which which is true. Um, but if you if you go on the month basis, you end up seeing that October is one of the most volatile if you look on month to month performance numbers. But uh, the bear market killer October. That's right. Yes, good point. Right around mid October, which is where we're sitting right now, uh, that's when uh, stocks tend to turn, and you start to see that uh, year on rally. October ends up being a decent month. You know, over the full 31 days, but really it's November, December where you get the the seasonal lift. So, um, you know, markets know that and they're probably reacting to it a little bit ahead of time uh, with uh, this latest bounce. So, um, you know, I mentioned we like the kind of like the chances of a Q4 rally. There's another tailwind here, which is the fact that we just started year two of the bull market. We mentioned this uh, last week. So I just want to hit this home again because we had the uh, this table in the weekly market commentary for today, which you can find on LPL.com. It's kind of a two-parter, earnings season preview, and then uh, second-year bull. So on average, a second-year bull, which we just started on October 12th, is up 12.6%, and has been up every time. So that is certainly a reason to be uh, constructive on the markets, at least for the coming year. Uh, the market continues to be very focused on yields. You know, remember, higher yields means uh, lower stock valuations, all else equal. So good news that we held the 5% level. Um, I mean, you could I, basically 4.9% was resistance, and that held. Uh, and now we pull back uh, a little bit, right around 4.7 on the 10-year uh, as we record this, back to um, you know support of the 20-day still well above the 50-day. So we got to keep watching treasury yields uh, very, very closely. Some supply-demand dynamics have been pushing it higher, um, but the inflation story in general, as Jeff, you've alluded to, uh, should be you know, capping rates here as the Fed uh, pause approaches. It could be here already. If not, we think it'll be here uh, very soon and be clear to the market. Uh, you see in the middle panel here, the relative strength index of the 10-year treasury was overbought. Uh, over uh, the 70 level and, and then came down, which is kind of following the playbook. Uh, now, uh, you know, still kind of robust maybe at around 60, but, um, you know, kind of settling in here, consolidating, if you will. And and we think yields are probably um, steady to, to potentially lower. We did uh, last week raise our 10-year yield target from um, basically from the mid threes to the mid fours. So we think mid fours is kind of fair value. Uh, right now. Uh, last thing, there are a lot of institutions short treasuries. So that from a contrarian perspective could mean we're close to um, uh, the point where we want to buy them. Uh, and then oil, um, you know, this of course is going to be the way the Middle East conflict translates over into a potentially uh, damage to the U.S. economy. And the good news here is that oil has behaved very well, still in the high 80s, and doesn't really have much of a geopolitical risk premium in it at this point. This is the big difference between the 70s, right, Jeff? Because we're, you know, we're self-sufficient with energy production now, and we certainly weren't back then. Uh, so that's why you saw the spike in oil prices in, in the 70s and the nasty recession that turned into two recessions. 
and lasted a number of years. Uh, very different environment. So, you know, if oil goes up, it's going to hurt Europe uh, and Asia probably a little bit more than it hurts the U.S. at this point. But we still it, it can still impact markets. So, um, you know, the fact that we didn't break 100 has created some technical resistance here. Um, it's kind of the same story with yields, right? We were overbought, came back off the boil, and now we're consolidating. Uh, the bottom panel here is the um, is basically showing that uh, the shape of the futures curve should be bullish for oil, um, you know, all else equal. And we do in LPL research think oil is going higher, bullish on the energy sector, as I mentioned. So, um, you know, we'll be watching this one closely, and hopefully, it doesn't go too high, uh, but um, Certainly, producers, Jeff, as 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 you know, can be very profitable in the uh, in the high eighties. Well, it's it's interesting too. You made the comment about the seventies. You know, it's helpful for our listeners to remember. You know, oil intensity, particularly for the U.S., has declined pretty uh, consistently, and that just means, by the way, oil intensity means how many barrels of oil does an economy use to produce whatever it does in its an economy. So barrels per unit of output, per GDP uh, calculation. And, it, and it's quite fascinating to just see, you know, throughout the decades, the productivity and technological enhancements that have allowed us to be uh, less sensitive uh, to, you know, dramatic moves in oil. I think that could certainly be part of, um, you know, the conversation especially if oil doesn't settle back down and uh, the the knock-on effects from high oil to perhaps higher inflation. I don't know if that's going to be quite the uh, natural progression, as I just said. Uh, if you're interested in a little more of that um, research on oil intensity, the uh, EIA and, the, uh, and a number of uh, private sector energy think tanks have done some really interesting, uh, nice pieces of work on uh, what what oil intensity means for markets uh, especially yeah cor correct me if i'm wrong jeff but i think consumers only spend about three or four percent of their incomes on energy now and at one point that was double digits does that sound right that, that's yeah i think a little bit higher than that but but you're you're exactly right that trend from say the 70s even the 80s and 90s uh from then to now has been a, a pretty nice straight line downward in terms of uh, the reliance on oil. Yeah. So, you know, consumer discretionary sector and retail is reacting uh, to higher oil prices, but the, you know, that transmission mechanism from higher oil to consumer spending uh, has, has been weakened uh, cons considerably. So uh, thanks for making that point. Good point, Jeff. So um, here's gold. Here's this reversal I mentioned. Look at this U-turn. I mean, it's not even a U. It's really a V. Um, you know, gold was deteriorating in a series of lower highs, lower lows, um, broke down, and um, just looked awful. <laughs> and then, you know, turned out to be right at early 2023 support where it reversed with um uh, the Hamas attacks, and and now you see just a straight line up basically since then. So um, has broken out and broken this downtrend. So you know, technically speaking, this looks good for gold. We did downgrade precious metals uh, a couple of months ago to neutral, uh, but at this point, based on this local new latest news, the um, certainly the technical outlook for gold is positive, 
We'll see what happens with the dollar. It probably doesn't matter so much. Gold seems to change what it focuses on. Um, you know, you don't have an overbought. Uh, you don't quite overbought gold, but it's it's getting close with an RSI around 60. Uh, so let's turn to inflation. We mentioned a little bit about inflation, Jeff, but um, you've got uh, two charts in here this week. Um, you know, one breaking down inflation between uh, goods and services, and then and then uh, your your heat map, which is very uh, interesting and really tells a pretty good story, I think, for the inflation trends. Yeah, it's helpful to think. You know, as as traders and investors uh, seem to be preoccupied on what the Fed will do in November, what they will do in mid-December. And then, of course, uh, the longer-term um, plans in actual outright cuts, if that happens, the latter half of 2024. Uh, and it's and it's all predicated on what we're seeing right now in the inflation data. And I think, you know, last Thursday was a little bit of a surprise on the headline. I think the best way to think about it is to say, okay, we know that if you look at that orange dotted line, Durable goods prices, think furniture, think uh, mountain bikes and uh, all the all the stuff that uh, we splurged on uh, during the depths of the pandemic uh, have have declined. Those prices outright decline. You see that below the zero line. And it's it was it was a massive debate on when the services would finally turn over. And the service sector has turned over. We see that um, in the dotted the the blue dotted line. And uh, it took some time, right? There was that was kind of the uh, the period of of the deepest of debates: were we going to have a recession or not? Was the Fed going to continue to hike until you know we hit seven eight percent? You know all of that uh, conversation. And I think at this point, you know, if you exclude some of those uh, line items, particularly in the shelter category, so um, rents, for example. You know, we know that we're we're seeing an easing, a decelerating rate of growth in the services uh, category. And one thing I just leave our listeners with is what markets care about is not necessarily the actual point level of inflation. If it's you know four and a half, four point seven, four point two, whatever that number is, what matters for investors is the trajectory. Is there a is there momentum going into an increasing or resurgence, or is there this momentum of a deceleration? So it's the rate of change that really matters, and we're and we're seeing that little bit of surprise um, in in some of the uh, some of the numbers, say like two months ago. But uh, if you go to the next slide, Jeff, I think the the key takeaway is we know from industry level data that rents have declined. And it's just a matter of time to until that that actually translates into the official government metrics. So I uh, highlighted wanted to bring uh, the listeners' uh, eyes and attention to that middle um, line item there, the core CPI excluding housing, to take out uh, the rent component because we know that'll eventually ease. Uh, because we're, we're seeing it in the real-time data. Core CPI X housing, 1.9% uh, year over year. Uh, so not uh, not a bad number. Uh, the Fed is not going to say that they're declaring a victory by any stretch. But I think as, as investors, you look at, you know, where that trajectory is and certainly it's uh, moving in the right direction. I think, you know, I think the Fed pauses in November. Uh, it's 
now becoming a lot more of a consensus view now. Uh, several weeks ago, it wasn't. Uh, so uh, pause in November, and there's still the likelihood of a pause in December, but that's still a little bit more of a you know a 70-30, 80-20 kind of play. But uh, certainly, um, inflation is going in the right direction. Yeah, if the Fed just cared about core CPIX housing, they their work would be pretty much done, right? So, um, right, I mean, you've got a three-month annualized number of around, what, 2-2, something like that, 2-2-2-3. Um, yeah, it's just that, that stubborn, sticky rent piece uh, that's, um, you know, standing in the way of, a, of an unequivocal pause that the market can aggressively price in. So uh, thanks, thanks for that, Jeff. This is a really good way to look at inflation. And certainly um, we got a lot more green on the right-hand side than we have on the left-hand side, which is which is good. So well, I think um, it shows up, you know, with the with the high oil prices. You know, we, we talked about how oil intensity in our country is pretty low, but when it actually hits, you know, gas prices, granted, that's a fairly small percentage of our overall spending. Still, it's a psychological hit. To the consumer and that's really the the darkest red if you if you want to pick out you know where where things are are looking uh, a little more tenuous it would be that u.s average of uh of, of gas prices but uh we don't think that that's going to be sustained for you know for a while in the in the upper threes we've already seen that thing come down in uh, the first few weeks of october so um even where we sit today on the 16th uh, we're we're going to be coming off that deep red. That was the only thing I wanted to to highlight in addition to what I circled. Sure, and, and you got to think if, given what's happened in Israel, um, you know the certainly the most deaths we've seen on any given day since the Holocaust over there. It's you know it certainly rivals the Yom Kippur War of 1973 in many ways, and yet oil is you know what. 87 and it's been higher before this conflict even started so um i think this is um this is a good story right here and as you think about 2024 uh you're going to have um, a situation potentially where inflation is tame and rates start coming down uh as earnings are growing and that all you know that could be a pretty powerful cocktail this is not a formal projection for stocks in 2024 but um, certainly we're, we're set up to potentially have a solid year then, consistent with the second year uh, bull market trend. So let, let's go to earnings season now. Um, again, this is the weekly market commentary for this week, which you can find on LPL.com. Um, we think it's going to be a pretty good earnings season. You're going to have the earnings recession end, which is probably the main headline, uh, maybe 3 to 4% earnings growth year over year for the S&P 500. Now, and then from there, we think earnings growth will accelerate uh, in 2024. Now, that said, the expectations for Q4 are probably a bit too high, you know, 9% earnings growth. So maybe those estimates uh, come down um, a little bit, but we could still end up pretty close to, you know, the 220 number that, frankly, consensus has been centered on. Uh, for like the past nine months. I'll show you the estimates here in a minute. Um, now, what are we going to be watching? So, um, you know, the first thing is, is going to be margins, right? We know revenues will be fine. As inflation comes down, 
and at the same time, cost pressures ease, you have less pricing pressure, but the potential to still, still support margins, right? With those cost pressure, with, with cost, cost pressures easing. So how that sort of translates, you know, the timing of that will, will be key. Now the analysts are saying margins are gonna go higher. So there's the potential for a disappointment there, but um, you know, our, our best guess is that as a, as a whole, uh, the S&P 500 is able to hit uh, those margin targets for um, for Q3. So that's certainly one thing to watch. Uh, from a sector level, uh, we think energy will be really interesting to see. You know, oil prices were up 30% in Q3. Gas prices were up too, natural gas. So when you have that lift, plus companies just being more disciplined about how they invest uh, and returning capital to shareholders, we think that's going to be a big winner this earnings season. Uh, the industrial sector will be important because it actually has seen the worst earnings revisions over the last month. Some of that's been UPS, uh, labor challenges there. Some of that has been Boeing. And those challenges for Boeing are widely widely documented. So, um, you know, outside of that, we think the numbers can be pretty good. We still like those two sectors. Those will be two we're watching. And then lastly, uh, the bar for tech's really high. Right. Remember these blowout quarters for NVIDIA, you know, AI chips, the last couple of quarters have been some of the biggest earnings beats that we've ever witnessed in our multi-decade careers. Eventually, the bar gets too high. So we're not saying that tech's going to miss, but um, there's the potential for, you know, really good results to not uh, be followed by a positive market response. Hopefully that's wrong and tech keeps going higher, but um, that is. That is a sector where I would say uh, the bar is high. So we'll certainly be watching that uh, closely as well. Um, so, you know, estimates, here's the S&P 500 earnings estimates for 2023 and 2024. Uh, another reason to think that, uh, that this earnings season will be pretty good is because estimates have been so resilient. Um, the 2023 estimate path is particularly remarkable because estimates on average fall about 10% uh, during a, a given year. And this year, they've fallen about five bucks. That's like a couple percent. Uh, remarkably resilient in the face of intense inflation pressures. Granted, the economy has been resilient, but there's certainly challenges, right? Remember, we had some pretty big banks fail in March. So throughout all of these, these headwinds for corporate America, they've you know maintained uh, pretty much the same level of profitability that even the most bullish analysts expected uh, coming into 2023. So, so this is a good story. Uh, anything you'd highlight here, Jeff, on on the earnings front before we preview the week ahead? Well, you know, as you're talking about, you know, the the estimates going into um, this fourth quarter now and, and into next year, it's helpful for our listeners to remember. You know, last year, for example, a number of the the layoff, the job cutting that was announced last year was all about firms managing costs. Uh, and so you think about how firms have entered into a potential, maybe, you know, a potential slowdown by the time we enter 2024, uh, firms are are probably going to be in a pretty decent shape than if, it, uh, you know, a recession happened so quickly 
firms had, you know, just a lot of dead weight that they had to hit. So I think that speaking of your margin conversation, which is which is spot on, uh, it seems like you know, there's still that ability uh, to find consumers willing to pay whatever they want to pay. Uh, they're not consumers are just not as sensitive to uh, to to prices uh, as they were, say, in you know pre pre COVID. But uh, you know, firms managing labor uh, certainly seems to be uh, one factor of supporting some of these numbers going into this quarter, next quarter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the strikes won't help. But, uh, you know, broadly speaking, uh, companies have done a great job of managing costs. And, um, you know, it looks like uh, a lot of those layoffs last year were just adjusting after overinvestment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't really about, you know, a weakening consumer environment or anything like that. So, yeah, consumers, as long as they're getting paid and, uh, you know, they have a job, they're, you know, there's probably a limit to how much their, their spending uh, will, will slow. And remember, we have, you know, basically the jobless claims trend, Jeff, as you know, and the uh, and the unemployment rate are what used to be boom time readings, right, for many decades before the pandemic. So, so what we have is like a boom time labor market, right? And we need the Fed wants wage pressures to show to slow, but I mean the labor market is still tight, which means people have a job and people can can, can still spend. So that's good for the economy heading into 2024 and good for corporate profits. Uh, we don't think the consumer will collapse, just, just continue to slow. So let's go to the week ahead, Jeff, and talk retail sales, Fed speak, and more earnings. I'll be real brief on earnings because we just talked about that. We have 55 S&P 500 companies reporting. Um, and of course, everybody will watch the developments in the Middle East, as um, you know, Israel prepares for a ground invasion invasion into Gaza. Um, so, what here should investors be focused on beyond certainly um, earnings and and war? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's fair to say that investors can still expect to see uh, market movements most uh, closely tied to Fed policy expectations. Uh, we actually saw, you know, Exhibit A today, uh, Monday here, the 16th. You know, the the Philadelphia Fed president spoke and uh, reiterated his view that uh, r- the Fed funds rate currently, as it stands, is restrictive as it relates to the inflation rate. So, restrictive Fed policy means that, in his view, the Fed can stop uh, its rate hiking campaign. He is, by the way. A voting member of the FOMC, so his opinions matter, uh, and so I think that was you know that was a little bit of a catalyst to see markets uh, rally a little bit today because of the Fed speak. So that that's going to continue um, for the, the rest of the uh, the rest of this week. I think you know one of the things that um, you know could be potential uh, market moving um, you know numbers would be in the retail space. We'll get that on the 17th Tuesday. Uh, Not as comprehensive a report as the full personal incoming and income and spending release that we get when we look at the deflator, which is the Fed's preferred inflation metric. But, you know, this week will be uh, certainly an opportunity to get a little more color 
in how Q3 ended. Uh, by the way, you remember we've talked about this in weeks past. Uh, a number of Fed branches have their own model for forecasting everything from growth to rates to commodities uh, to, to Fed fund projections. And the Atlanta Fed was the most aggressive, saying Q3 was going to be you know, close to 6% annualized on the quarter. And uh, that's that's pretty hot. Uh, I doubt that will come about. Uh, the other Fed um, banks were were quite interesting. Some had negative numbers. Some had, you know, kind of splitting the difference, roughly two percent. But uh, this this uh, this retail sales release will help us uh, get a view on the trajectory and how the consumer was feeling as we are going through this Q four uh, period of twenty twenty three. Clearly, very important. A lot of holiday sales. People watch uh, Amazon Prime Day. Uh, of course, looking at the higher frequency initial unemployment claims to see how the consumers handling uh, this movement from what I've been calling uh, the spending splurge. Uh, that's part of the reason why we have in our base case, you know, a, a slowdown uh, at least starting maybe the end of this year or starting the beginning of next year. But uh, it seems like the slowdown is not going to be anywhere near your your traditional uh, recession. Uh, this will be much, uh, much shallow and short relative to those. So looking at retail sales, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, it's not a big, you know, it's not a big market moving week uh, outside of earnings, as you referenced, Jeff. That's why I think it was worth uh, spending some time in this podcast on the earnings component. And then uh, watching the various conversations that'll be happening throughout this week uh, from voting members of the Federal Open Market Committee. Yeah, so maybe the the takeaway here is if rates are going to move, they're going to move on the Fed, or or potentially the Middle East. But um, we're, you know, there's not a lot of data here that's going to move the um, economic growth expectations for the market uh, too much one way or the other. Uh, which is good for me because I like watching earnings and what companies are doing. You know, makes sense with my role as an equity strategist and not like you, an economist, Jeff. <laughs> right, that I would like, you know, dissecting what companies are, are telling us. So this is really, um, you know, a fun time for me, and and I think we're going to hear, you know, a lot, quite a bit of good news. So, um, you know, hopefully the market can can stay afloat. Hopefully the Middle East can stay contained, um, and um, rates cooperate because if so, um, we have the makings of a of a nice year on rally. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for uh, joining me this week. Glad to have you on for a, a timely discussion of that latest inflation data. Uh, again, check out the weekly market commentary on LPL.com. Uh, we will be back with you uh, next week. Everybody have a wonderful week. Take care and we'll see you then. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally 
particularly regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.